Hey, so in this episode, we're going to refer to like this episode getting an 8.0 on IMDb. That's not true. So every time we say that, we were misinformed. <laughs> Welcome to episode 20 of Cyclops is Waiting for Me and X-Men, the animated series weekly recap podcast. I'm JC, and we're recording this on free comic book day to date the episode. Yeah, and actually, speaking of, a little shout out to Eric and Rebecca. Eric notified us that the X-Men episodes on Disney Plus were randomly disappearing and reappearing. So um, when I went home to Connecticut for a trip, <laughs> I literally brought my five DVD sets of the show back with me to yeah, LA. Which will probably come in handy. And his wife, Rebecca, who actually asked me if I was going to free comic book day. And I was like, I don't know if it's happening here because I'm supposed to be recording the podcast with John tomorrow. And I don't think he would miss free comic book day. <laughs> I mean, you can only do so much at one store during free comic book day. And then and then this morning you texted me like, hey, I'm going to have free comic book day. So I messaged Rebecca back. I was like, oh, I guess you were right. <laughs> Yep. And shout out to our friends of the podcast, Golden Apple Comics, who did an awesome free comic book day thing. A bunch of free comic yeah. books. Oh, did they just have like random spec? I don't know how that works. No. The, so the for those of you who don't know, and obviously we're about a month after this has happened. Yeah. So be prepared for May of next year. All of the publishers send mini issues of different comic book stories. So like Marvel sends a Spider-Man book and an Avengers book. Usually DC has one or two books. There was a Pokemon book this year. There was Scrooge McDuck this year. Oh, Last year, I got one for Gloomhaven, which is a tabletop game. Like, okay, so there's like that. tons and tons of different stuff. It's good, whatever they want to promote. Yeah, it's like, what do they what do they have coming up in the next year? And, you know, some, I want to say it was Blackest Night issue zero, which was like a huge story for Green Lantern in 2009. Okay. Issue zero was a free comic book day book. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. It kind of reminds me, it sounds like a lot like Record Store Day or how it used to be. Yeah, I've never been to that so one. So it, back in the day, Record Store Day was like when indie record stores would have cool exclusives like the Foo Fighters would release something separate from their label that was like a show they did in someone's garage with right. the vinyl. Now it's completely different. It's been totally taken over by corporate America. Like Taylor Swift released a vinyl on that day. So it's just like nothing like it was before, but it sounds very similar. So sounds like a lot of fun. But I'm Rod. That was our <laughs> best opening tangent ever. Yeah. I'm a musician. And as of recording this, we've both seen Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness. This is the opening weekend, but hopefully won't be spoilers for you because it's been a month, I think, by the time you hear this. But we'll, we'll warn you about spoilers if we happen to dive into anything tangentially because minor spoiler there will be a couple tangent points that connect yeah. with that movie yep, for, yep. to what we're talking about here speaking of cyclops is waiting <laughs> for me is our weekly podcast series where we're going back and watching every single episode of the original 1992 x-men the animated series in the original intended script order building up to the release of x-men 97 coming in disney plus in 2023 some quick reminders we are a recap show of a series that came out 28 years ago I have to change that in the script. And there will be spoilers, like Rob was saying. If you don't want it spoiled for you, pause the podcast, watch the episode, and come back. Hopefully, you can find the episode. One thing <laughs> we did find out is if it is not on Disney+, Plus, all the episodes are for sale on Amazon. You could buy them at one-off episodes. So mm -hmm. 
at the time we looked, I think it was like 20 episodes were missing. So it's like a $40 investment-ish. Yeah, but, but then they just start reappearing. Yeah, they start reappearing. So who knows <laughs> at, the, at this point what's happening in real life. But we will do our best to avoid mentioning anything about future episodes that we have not covered yet. And if you can't tell by how we're talking about Disney and Disney Plus and episodes disappearing, we are not affiliated with or sponsored by them in any way, shape, or form. And after today, probably not going to be. Yeah. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Cyclops, IWF. M pod on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and Facebook. And of course, make sure to follow us on all your favorite podcast services. Finally, we're recording these episodes in batches right now. So if we're reacting to any news about the upcoming series, we'll be a few weeks behind like the Doctor Strange stuff, which that actually works out. So we don't, you don't have to worry about tuning in and being like, oh, I, I haven't seen it yet because I only saw it in the third day when it was released. Like you have a month now. You're in safe territory. We can all geek out or complain together. But we'll give warnings just in case. Yeah. But on to the show. Today, we're going to be talking about season two, episode 11, titled Mojo Vision. It aired on February 5th of 1994. It currently sits at a 8.4 star rating on IMDb. Rob, this is one of the highest star ratings of the series so far. I wish you could just see my face. I'm seeing this in for the first time, like in real life right now, that star rating. Oh yeah, I make notes and don't tell Rod about it until we get into the actual episode. That, okay, this was fun, but I don't, it's just not, I don't think that this is great, that great of an episode. I don't know how star ratings work on <laughs> IMDb. I'm assuming it's just people voting. It wasn't people, bad. It's people just, really like Longshot and Mojo? I don't know. Maybe, no. I, I may, or maybe that's the meta joke because the whole show is about rating, the episode's about rating. People on IMDb are not that clever to get into the meta <laughs> about ratings, let's be real. So let's kick it off. It starts out with the character Longshot and mm -hmm. Rod, I, I love to play this game. What do you know about Longshot aside from what we saw in the episode? Nothing. I remember the action figure and I forgot his name until they said it. But I, I did remember him because I had the action figure when I was a kid. And what is the defining feature about Longshot aside from his blonde mullet? My note literally says, I don't know this mullet. I can vouch his note actually says that. So Longshot, because he is a being from an alternate dimension, actually only has four fingers per hand. Oh, I didn't notice that. I don't actually know if they addressed it in the animation, but that is a, a oh, wow, comic okay. canon thing for Longshot. That's funny because the way they portrayed him in this, he's supposed to be like super sexy, you know, action star and like, okay. I mean, he's still a good looking dude. Yeah, like yeah. just by having a, a lack of a pinky or whatever, <laughs> doesn't make him not good looking, Rod. But it starts off with this character, Longshot, and he's fighting these brown flying monsters. They look like they are inspired by the brood, but they are not as, they're a little more generic, like alien shape. They don't actually feel like the brood all the way to me which kind of tracks because if we you know we, we find out more this is a show and stuff so it might just be like like a copycat from something you know from the actual brood thing or whatever also i love the soundtrack in this because it's a thousand percent ron yeah <laughs> ron wasserman is just like this glam metal <laughs> like chase it was music. it was very it was very like 80s 90s inspired no yeah doubt. so long shot hops into a car and there's like a whole chase scene and then they're like transitioning to being underwater there's more of a chase scene. <laughs> it has this like high energy movie trailer vibe to it. Yep. And then we see two cameos of characters from within the Marvel slash X-Men universe in that opening montage. Who are those two characters, I Rod? I did not recognize them. So one was Psylocke, everybody's favorite oh, ninja. Wait. So I just, I didn't see her. You didn't see so her because she it. was definitely in oh, it. Oh, okay. Yeah, yep. I just missed it. And then there was a green robot who was punching over Longshot. That was Super Adaptoid, who we talked about in okay. a previous episode. Okay. Yep. I, th I think he kind of just kind of blended into the background for me. 
I mean, I, I think you need to not binge these episodes like <laughs> in the two and a half hours before you come over to record. But also, Mike, if if the, this one and the next two seem a little weird for me more than usual is because I just inadvertently saw Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness three times in 24 hours because I overcommitted myself to friend groups. So I was a little fatigued. <laughs> and, and when he told me this, my reaction is, yes, it's a good movie. It is not three times in that rapid succession good. Out of experience, I can tell you that's 100% true. It yep. was great for two viewings. Just stop. So from those shots, we cut to Mojo, who's freaking out to his major domo. How would you describe Mojo? I think he's super campy. I love how silly he is because it, you know, one of the things that about Marvel that kind of separates it from DC, at least in my experience, is that they, they're not afraid to you know have a little humor and not take themselves too seriously. So I love that he's... It feels like the, the writers were like venting their frustrations with the Hollywood producers in Mojo. Yeah, so <laughs> from a physical perspective, Mojo is this giant blob with a literally kind of like a walking pedestal that he's, yeah. he's planted into and he's just grotesquely overweight he has these little metal pieces that force his eyes to stay open (laughs) think like what is it clockwork orange style and he talks like every shitty stereotypical hollywood agent that you've seen in any movie and we can say we've seen some of those people (laughs) talk in real life like that because la i love the implication that he can't even be bothered to hold his own eyes open (laughs) no he he's he it's more that he doesn't want to miss anything because he doesn't want to blink okay that's i I mean you could be that too He, he comes across to me as like jabba the hutt's like eccentric flamboyant cousin yeah i think that's very fair so he is freaking out and he's yelling at Longshot. Longshot has these two women with him. One's like a makeup artist. The one who's the makeup artist. Did you recognize that character model? No. So the character model is definitely that early 90s Dazzler uh-huh. that you would have seen in the X-Men arcade cabinet. Okay. That was that design of Dazzler. Oh, from the Pride of the X-Men. Right. Okay. I literally have it as POX Dazzler so written down. It was supposed to be Dazzler though? Or they just kind of used her form? So... They don't ever call her Dazzler in it. And as far as we've gotten into the show, Dazzler has never been addressed as a character. But it is 100% the Dazzler design. That's funny. They just needed something to fill the space. I mean, it's better than the random green guy from the intro who we still don't know who he is. (laughs) I love that Mojo gets so flustered. He like pulls out his own nose hairs. Yeah, he starts pulling out his own (laughs) nose hairs and insulting Longshot, basically being like, yeah, this has more talent than you do. Yeah. And Longshot's kind of over it. He's like, fine, replace me. See if I care. And then to the to your point of like how much camp is in this episode, mm-hmm. Mojo pulls out the not Pepto-Bismol, Pepto-Bismol bottle. I couldn't read the bottle. I it's, couldn't read it It either. said Mojo something. And it I, was probably like Mojo-Bismol or something maybe, like that. Yeah, but yeah. I, I couldn't make out the bottom letters. Yeah, but he starts chugging it like it's, you know, a beer, essentially. Does his assistant have a name? Because I just wrote him down. Oh, uh, the Major Domo. Oh, that's Major Domo. Yep. Okay. I, I started taking notes of what he calls Mojo. And so far at this point, he calls him Obulbus One. And then I think after he hands him the Pepto, he calls him Most Congealed Master. Yeah. <laughs> they have a great relationship. Because honestly, you would think for as powerful as Mojo seems to be, that would be a thing to kill somebody over. But, but right. he gets away with it. Like those two kind of seem like just the way that Mojo presents himself. Like, okay, maybe that's a compliment to him. But as we go along, there's a few other ones that are kind of more questionable. Right. So as Longshot has left and Mojo is is worried about how to save his media empire, they come up with the idea of, well, we're going to 
we're going to use these people from this backwater dimension. Mm -hmm. And we see a montage of action shots, including the introduction to the show for the X-Men. So I was like, is the is their theme song canon in real life in their universe? Because it was playing in the mojo aspect of the universe, yes. And so I don't think they know they have a theme song, yeah. But mojo perceiving them does. Also, I, I don't know what technology was available then because I was like maybe what 11, 10 or 11 when the show came out, right? But I think they pulled out a DVD of the X Men because they pull a disc out, and that wasn't super common then. I because he was he because uh, major domo pulls out a, a disc and he's like let's watch this and he puts it in the computer it's like wow they pulled a cd out or dvd looking thing it was a mini laser disc okay. <laughs> that's that's the only theory and, I pops in, and i was i was super impressed it wasn't a floppy disc right right and they popped it in i was like wow they just popped a dvd of the x-men nope in. mini laser disc <laughs> i don't know if dvd was even a coined term when this show originally came if, out if it was it wasn't common because i remember yeah. my high school job in 1999 it was such a big deal to have DVDs in store. I worked at the electronics department in Walmart and we had a wall, a wall, quote unquote, of DVDs. And there were maybe nine or 10 DVDs on that wall you could buy for $35 a piece. Right. And it was like Prince of Egypt and like maybe The Matrix. I remember one of my early DVDs, which is a movie that did not need to be a DVD, was <laughs> Goodfellas. And it was when DVDs were not even able to store the entire movie on one side. So it was a double-sided double DVD that I had to switch halfway through the movie. Yeah, wow. We're just revealing our age. But Mojo ends it by seeing the potential of the X-Men and says, well, Mojo can make a star out of anyone. Mm -hmm. So we cut to the real world or yeah, the X-Men's world, yeah, where Cyclops and Jean are buying a TV and talking about how advanced the disc was, we cut to the opposite side of that, where they're talking about how the TV has 1,300 scan lines. I was going to say, that shows our age is that, man. Scan lines, literally, it's, yeah. Instead of pixels. Yep. <laughs> I had genuinely forgotten that that was the resolution, like, other that of that time period. and But then Cyclops brings something up that I don't think was a thing even at that time or now. Yes, if the TV itself has surge protection, I was like, the TV wouldn't. Right, but. no, no, you, you usually plug your, I can't see a TV having that, we could be wrong, I'm yeah, not gonna research not, it. I'm, I'm not an engineer or whatever, an inventor or something, so like, if you know about that, maybe it does have a built-in, I'm not sure, especially a CRT TV. I don't know. Because it's just a giant tube with a bunch of explosives in it, you know? Like. Yeah, but, but but basically, he, he is making comment that there was an unfortunate accident because TVs just seem to explode in their house yeah. in their mansion they made a quick reference to jubilee but the tv salesman is just like what <laughs> yeah, the tv salesman does not care he's just like i don't know check in the back or something like that at that point mojo pops on and he begins talking like that stereotypical agent producer like we've mentioned and and essentially acts as though the deal's already closed like he's mm -hmm. he's offering but not really offering a, a choice in the matter of it that's also super accurate <laughs> the one thing i did love is you know hearing about contracts we always hear things like non-disclosure you know non-compete exclusivity mm -hmm. all those phrases those are pretty common ones we hear but mojo drops in the non-survival clause <laughs> i did i i heard that but i didn't catch it. oh yeah that's funny yeah <laughs> so he he pretty much snaps when gene and scott are just like no like fuck off weirdo i love my note says cyclops is confused so he defaults to yelling <laughs> You have the best notes when it comes to Cyclops, Rod. Yeah, so Cyclops declines. Mojo is offended by it. he, and he zaps Scott like through the TV. Yeah, like not into the TV, but like the TV emits. 
Scott's something to zap Scott. Right. And then he proceeds to yell at Scott, calling him one eye, which <laughs> at least better than when, when Blob called him four, four eyes, eyes, which made no sense. <laughs> and then Cyclops reacts by shooting a bunch of this poor guy's TVs in his store. Yeah. Because Mojo's popping up all over the place. Wolverine pops in along with Storm and Beast. And that was when Spiral appears. And Rod, what were your thoughts on Spiral? I, I like Spiral. So I actually knew her first. Well, I probably saw her in this, but didn't think anything of her because they kind of made her a side character in this episode. I really know her from the Children of the Atom video game. Right. And so I had a much more badass impression of her than this show gave her. <laughs> right. So for those of you who are listening without watching the show first, Spiral is a a woman from mojo's dimension yeah. she has extra arms and kind of like vaguely samurai theme yeah a little bit of a samurai vibe to her the motion that she takes and this actually carried over to that children of the atom fighting game mm -hmm. that you're referring to it's almost it's not like capoeira like dance fighting yeah. but she is almost taking like ballet style movements yeah. with her with her combat yeah so. a, lot, a lot of twirling and stuff Right. But she also apparently has the ability to teleport people. So yeah. when she shoots all the X-Men, it teleports them out. And then she essentially walks back through the TVs back to, to Mojo's world. So we come back from the commercial break and you see a, a mountain with Mojo's face in it. And the entranceway was kind of weird. It was just like this big area like filled with with light yeah and we, we assume like this is where the live studio audience must be and i didn't recognize anyone in the audience were we supposed to so there are two characters in the audience that are marvel related that you would know okay and then there are a few that are not at all like they're, they're like easter id type okay. people but there are two okay so first one you see the back of their head early in the episode, and then later you see the the front of them. There is a scroll, and it is the classic oh, version of the scroll. Okay. The one that I didn't think you were going to get is Awesome Android, which is no. a giant robot with kind of just like this huge brick rectangle head, and he's okay. He's he's kind of just he looks like a lump of clay. <laughs> like there's no nicer way to say yeah. it. But that was those were the ones that that were purposefully put there. And then I have notes later. I'll find them. Oh yeah. Faces in the crowd, Scott Lubdell, who's an X-Men writer, Mark Silvestri, who is an artist, Tom DeFalco, who is the editor of X-Men okay. at the time, and there's also somebody who looks a little bit like Jack Kirby. Most of the, the first three were like their faces on an alien body, yeah, yeah. whereas the, the one that was Kirby is the one that just kind of is the lone human in okay. the batch. But that makes th sense. those were more Easter eggy, not necessarily people you would recognize just as a as a Marvel fan at the time. That makes more sense because when they panned over the crowd, it was just long enough. That I was like, I think I'm supposed to notice something here, but then I didn't recognize anybody. Yeah, the, like, <laughs> I'll, I'll, sh I'll, I'll throw it on Instagram and I love saying that because mm -hmm. it gives me an excuse to put midweek posts of yeah. uh, the shot of awesome Android okay. and the scroll just so you could see where those yeah. popped up. So we have Spiral in the control booth and then in front of Mojo, the X-Men are in this like weird cylinder thing. Yeah. Like cylinder crystal, for lack of a better term. And they get transformed like into their costumes. From the yeah, they, they basically take them out of their street clothes because unlike some of our other episodes, nobody was wearing their costume to the mall. Around this time, we get more comments from Major Tomo. <laughs> He calls Mojo O Depraved Omelette, which is the one I thought would have been offensive, but also that's confusing. What? What is? What? 
You know, I'm not going to dig into it, Rod. And I even made sure to double check the caption to make sure I heard it right. And it says, oh, depraved omelet. Like omelet, like like eggs? Like an egg omelet. Okay. Yeah. And then soon after that, he calls them, oh, corrupter of crania. I mean, um, that's pretty accurate. Crania, I'm like, guessing, is a comic reference. No, like crania, like people's brains. Oh, okay. It was like yeah. literal. Okay. Like literally, you're melting people's brains gotcha. by putting garbage okay. TV up. Yeah, but the depraved omelet thing, I might keep that in the back pocket. Just to just, throw to, just to throw out when somebody <laughs> really pisses you off. Yeah. That's fair. They they make sure to take a little bit of time and, and talk trash against Longshot. They call him an ungrateful has-been. Beast decides to say the whole, like, you know, power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely, as seems evident here. And Mojo just kind of, like, blows it off. He's like... I, does not care about it. It's yeah. like he's I don't know if he's oblivious to the fact that Beast is talking shit on him or he just really doesn't care that Beast is talking shit on him. I kind of got the impression that he's been through this thing so many times. He's like, yeah, whatever. They all say this. But but you got to feel like Longshot was at least embracing his whole like stardom, whereas oh, yeah. the X-Men are just like, we don't want to do your crap. Then Mojo gives a little bit of a speech of, you know, there are trillions of people watching and what do they want? Do they want peace? Do they want freedom? Do they want good government? No, they want blood, guts, love, hate, entertainment and action. Which before a couple of years ago, I would have, you know, argued with. But I'm like, you know, no, 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 this is pretty accurate. He's right. right. He's pretty accurate. (laughs) Maybe that's why it has such a high star rating, because they literally predicted stuff from 30 years ago. It's sad. So obviously the X-Men keep refusing and then i believe mojo refers to them as performing cattle yeah it's funny i like i love also love the little cutaway to spiral running all the camera switching because once again my vision of her is the badass and children of the atom and then she's like she's essentially just like a associate producer <laughs> on this, not would, even i would say she's she's the director yeah like i mean she's literally like she doesn't have a a control truck where she's like calling the shot changes but she's doing everything the only reason she's not calling is because all her arms are doing all the the things yeah she doesn't she doesn't need a staff (laughs) she's super efficient yeah so mojo decides to kick stuff off and transport cyclops and storm into miami mutants what were your initial thoughts on miami mutants rod i i had a very very short miami vice like fan stint i don't even really know the story that much i just thought the show was funny i i was like all right we're in the 90s because i don't know would anybody now understand what that reference is i don't know because there (laughs) wait wasn't there like a new miami vice no that was that was hawaii 5 there there was i think there was a miami vice revival but i don't think it was very well successful yeah Yeah. but it it hit i feel like it hit the parody like right on the head like because they they were in the 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 speedboat yeah they were in a speedboat and then transitioned into like helicopters chasing the boat as it took off out of the water but then the boat turns into a jet <laughs> yeah yeah I, also, I love cyclops's and storm's reactions when it like cuts to them in the boat though oh and, and storm just goes how did we get here yeah, she's like what's going on their expressions reminded me of like like when i have to take my my cat to the vet or something or put her in the car and so i just like plop her in the car and she looks around and like where the fuck am i <laughs> it's got the same vibe from storm she's like what the what there's the what <laughs> yep so we get a quick action scene that it, it's it's very quick cuts and stuff like that but there's not a lot to really talk about other than yeah. it's if you know miami vice it's a really good homage to it with yeah. a little bit of advanced tech behind it but it's there's not a ton of substance behind it they, which they, i think is the point of it yeah they and they start winning i, I feel like you know like storm starts taking out things because you know different from miami vice there's two super powered people here yeah but kind of cyclops kind of inexplicably 
just like taps out. I guess he gets tired. I'd never seen him get exhausted from using his lasers before. He was just kind of shooting it nonstop, I guess. Yeah, so, and yeah. so he passes out and then right before, and the storm's in there and, and right before the, the jet boat thing crashes, like it flashes back to the mojo world or whatever. Right, so they're back in the studio and there are these for lack of a better term, cells. Like, they're just, like, kind of, like, crystal... Like, like planes. Yeah. Kind of like Superman? Is that... Yeah, it has a little bit of a Superman vibe to it. Yeah. Yeah. And they are... They they put Scott and, and Storm in those, and Mojo acknowledges oh, well, this got great ratings, so I guess we're going to let them live. And then there was a mention of the control room. Yeah. There were Mojo's yelling up to Spiral, and Longshot kind of gets, like, the light bulb moment above his head. I also love when they cut to the control room, once again, like, just building on Spiral's depiction in this. She's sitting there, like, filing her nails. Like, she's so bored. Yeah, like, she has her, like, feet up on the controls (laughs) and stuff. She just, she could give less of a shit about this. So then we teleport Rogue and Beast in to Rogue Star, which, okay, I'm not a Star Trek person. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, when the fandom breakdown happens, I am Star Wars, even if I'm TBD on a lot of recent Star Wars. But there's a character in Star Trek named McCoy. Yeah. So oh, I, yeah. I didn't yeah. Think about that. So, did they do that just for the McCoy joke? <laughs> oh wow. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, let's just say. Yeah. Let's so go because, with yes. Because otherwise, it doesn't make any sense to send those two. I guess it doesn't make any sense to send Cyclops and Storm to Miami. Yeah. The only but. one that actually makes sense from a pairing scenario is the the next one. But there's a, a dog fight in space, and then we definitely have the Brood, and they are they are drawn yeah. slightly different than the ones that were introduced at the beginning of the episode. Brood are a longtime nemesis to the X-Men. They're an alien species. We don't see any of their actual powers other than they're creepy aliens here. And they're, um, and they're a little bit smarter than the aliens we saw at the beginning. Yeah, they, they definitely have a little more of a tactic to way, the way they're mm-hmm. fighting. And this one doesn't end up as good as the, yeah. <laughs> the first one. Beast essentially gets sucked out into space. Yeah, because the Brood, they, even though they seem like just like generic monsters or whatever, like they actually tap the airlock yeah. to open it. <laughs> right, right. And then Beast gets sucked into space and Rogue is piloting the ship straight into a sun. So funny detail about the sun thing. When it cra- when the ship crashes into the sun, you see a like crash, like it crashed into like ground. But it was the sun. I don't know. It's just a, it's a nitpicky thing. But it was just a funny, it made me laugh at the moment. I was like, did she just into the surface of a flame she did <laughs> it was it was set dressing rod i yeah. don't know what to tell you that results in rogue and beast popping up on those similar screen cells whatever the hell we want to call them and then wolverine and gene get transported into i dream of gene and i was very confused aside from the name what's happening on the screen has nothing to do with i dream of genie yeah, it seemed a little more, if anything, a little bit more of like a Adam West Batman parody because it starts with Wolverine scaling that wall. You know? Yeah, Wolverine is scaling the wall and Gene is up on top. And then the piece that was a little odd to me is they have these robots that are there and, and fighting them. And instead of just being whoever the antagonists are they showed the robots first and then the first one who gene is on top of the building with turns into the punisher yeah and it was a pretty obvious punisher but then inside the building there are three more of these robots and we're gonna play the best game ever Rod. <laughs> who do these three robots turn into and i will give you credit for a team name Oh. Or any of the three names of those characters. I only know one. Okay. And it's Gladiator. Right. So purple guy, Mohawk, yeah. that's Gladiator. And I can't remember why I know him. I, I, were, were there, if there were toys, I didn't have it. Or maybe I saw it. 
I just, I, for whatever reason, it came up. There's like, oh, it's Gladiator. It's cool. You know that because there was a post from the people that made the toys that made us the other day where okay. they were showing the toys and mm-hmm. I tagged you in the post. Oh, you know what's funny? The post you tagged me and I think I actually posted on our stories a few days Probably. before. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we do that because we don't communicate. But going through the toys, it was like, well, it was essentially, can you name all these X-Men? The last one was Gladiator. Oh, okay. Yeah. You know, actually, now we say that with the Toy Biz toys, I, I can picture the package of the toy in my head. So I definitely saw I never owned it. But I, that's where I know it from. So the other two that you do see pop up are also members of the Shi'ar Imperial Guard, which has never been addressed so far in the show. Yeah. But they are Marvel Universe characters who interact with the X-Men. You have Earthquake, who is this gray alien looking guy. And then you have Flashfire, who... From my reading of X-Men, I've seen more Flashfire than I have of Earthquake for what that's worth. I did really appreciate that there was comment about it being an educational show. I dream of genie. <laughs> yeah, I dream of Jean, Jean specifically. Yeah. So as the they're fighting and such, Jean says, you know, what is what is TV if not electronic images created by machines? Yeah, which, yeah, yes, thank you for describing how technology works. She does, but <laughs> then she decides to use her psychokinetic energy, and that was one of the ones that threw me off because I've I've heard, you know, they always refer to it as telekinetic energy yeah. or the fact that she's psychic. I've never heard at least. Maybe it just is how they referred to it pre the animated series, but mm-hmm. I never heard psychokinetic being the the way to talk about what Gene is able to do. That this moment I don't I didn't remember before watching this, and it kind of reminds me of the convolutedness of how some things will get in the fifth season, the final season. Mm-hmm. So to me, this didn't read. I don't have. Like, I'm glad that you're saying that it didn't have any. It wasn't out. It, it didn't exist outside of the show because it doesn't make sense to me in the the context of Jean's powers. Right. Of like why she also she's in super exposition mode. Like who are you talking to? <laughs> I have to give her. She's probably talking to Wolverine. Yeah. Well, the whole show though is this. Everybody's in exposition mode. Which it's is, it's it's the show being meta to itself. Yeah. And this is not a spoiler for Doctor Strange, but just like a comment on it. One of the things that I had to accept with the Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness is that they kind of embrace the campiness of stuff. Well, it's Sam Raimi, so. And so all of the characters are in full exposition mode (laughs) in the movie. So anytime something's happening, someone's explaining something that everyone in the room already knows. And that's kind of the case here is like Gene is saying it as if everybody knew all these pieces. But I was like, yeah, I I wasn't going to make that leap that you could. That, that was what your power was called. But So sure. using her telekinetic powers, because yeah. I refuse to call it psychokinetic <laughs> powers, she starts disrupting the feed and everything like that. And there's the freak out of cut to commercial, cut to commercial. And we see the live audience has pulled out books, which... Again, to your point about the camp of this episode, it's so, like, Mojo's so over the top, but the fact that these people are literally at a live TV taping and their attention span is so, so low that they pull out books when the show that's being shot in front of them is instantly boring that they just start, like, these all start reading. And it's the, not one or two. It's all, all of them. And that they brought books with them to, like, what's, it's not even, because it, it even though it's a TV filming thing, it reads more as like a gladiator battle. It very much than, feels than like it feels like an arena. So it's like you're going to an arena to watch people get murdered, and you're like, I'm going to bring a book just in case it gets boring. Although, you know, what's funny is if this show was made now, that scene would have totally sold with everybody being on their phones. You're 100% <laughs> right. That 
<laughs> instead of it being books, everybody would have pulled out their phone. Actually, There's no doubt on that. Little uh, tangent, but also kind of related that, to complain about something. <laughs> One of the three screenings of Doctor Strange I was at, also no spoilers for Doctor Strange, one of the three screenings I was at was a influencer screening. I won't say which because I'm not going to try to call anybody specific out. Someone sitting next to me who is much younger than me. We were watching the movie. Granted, I'd seen it once before this. Thank goodness they don't listen to our podcast. Yeah. Or they'd be like, why'd you call me out? But the person next to me who I didn't know before that day was much younger than me and had not seen the movie yet. Anytime there was literally like maybe 10 to 20 seconds that went by that they got bored, he pulled his phone out in the movie theater to scroll TikTok during the movie and then stuff would happen like dialogue or an action scene would start and then he'd be like oh shit he's like what happened i was like you could watch the movie no nope. nope. that's happening to calm I, down old man rod so that that i think that's my my boomer moment that i'm like i can't calculate i can't process we're not even gen x and you yeah. keep calling us boomers right. rod i can't Fuck. process though being at a movie theater and he wasn't even on the side like we were both in the middle of the middle row why are you here I, also th of all the movies this movie is cut so quickly together it's like but how you're scrolling through tiktok in the movie it just blows my mind it's the one that i'm open-minded about most things that i just couldn't process like what is happening anyway so bring a book out speaking of just like <laughs> going off from whatever the main subject was so long shot essentially is like well cancel their series give me my time slot back yeah. freeze the x-men spiral doesn't stop him spiral doesn't care yeah. dude like that's the one thing if you look at spiral's body language she's yeah. there for the check <laughs> she literally does not give a shit yeah. I, i'm convinced she doesn't care the only one who cares in this room is mojo yeah and Longshot, I guess. But I feel like he's even like apathetic actor caring. Yeah, it's not yeah, like yeah. he actually cares because he's not doing it because he's trying to free people. He yeah. just wants his time slot Yeah, back. he just wants to be the star. Right. So that results in the, the X-Men getting broken out of their screen cells because I don't have a name yeah, whatever for them. Whatever those things are. They fight Mojo. The, his big like mechanical tail gets a little messed up. And then the control room, which I don't remember we said at the beginning, is hanging over this entire auditorium. And it has like a jumbotrons around yeah, it. Yeah, they're jumbotrons, mm -hmm. but it essentially gets cut off and crashes right onto Mojo. And you would assume would kill him, but, you know, foreshadowing. <laughs> I mean, we don't know enough about his physiology to confirm that. Right. Right? Um, well, he's a, what, depraved omelet? The kill, depraved omelet. kill yeah. an omelet? How many eggs do you have to... I'm not going to go for the joke. <laughs> there's, there's no way I can do this where it's not going to sound shitty, so I'm just going to keep pushing through. Spiral, just again, super apathetic, doesn't care, sends the X-Men back. Yeah, she, she, without any questions, she just pops up and she's like, here you go. Yeah. Well, then, I think she's just like, well, am I still getting paid? Like, she right. doesn't care. And I love it when the X-Men reappear at the TV store. Cyclops is kind of echoing what I felt watching it. It's like, can someone please tell me what just happened? So that's a totally fair reaction. And then we we, we do see that Mojo has, has survived and we get mm -hmm. a, you know, very stereotypical Hollywood quote of nothing lasts forever, especially in television. And then Longshot and Spiral are like walking away and Longshot's hitting on Spiral. Yes. But it's a kind of a weird like kind of 90s thing where he's lightly negging her because he, he makes the comments like you know i was with a woman with two heads once it's like is that supposed to impress her or intimidate her <laughs> what, what kind of pickup line is that because she has i know several arms yes no i i understand the concept rod i'm i'm processing and thinking we should just keep going yeah. with the episode so we get our final jump over to the savage land mm -hmm. and 
We oh, yeah, because that was, that was actually a smooth transition because Mojo was like, well, look, there, look at this. There's a dinosaur show. And he points at a screen. <laughs> right. And Xavier and Magneto see this citadel in the distance. There's a little bit of acknowledgement that Magneto is responsible for that being there. And they see a woman who is fighting this dinosaur who's bipedal, green, pterosaur-looking guy who we all know is Sauron. Sauron. And Xavier wants to make the move to help, but Magneto stops him. And then you see Sauron uses his hypnosis powers and basically this this woman stops putting up any sort of fight and he carries her off into into the distance. Yep. And then with the to be continued, not and to be continued. No to be continued. But cliffhanger. It's weird because like nothing kind of happened in this episode. It was very much a one-off episode. If you didn't have the Xavier stuff, it could literally have been plugged in anywhere in the entire series. And yeah. it... it I don't think those are bad things for, yeah. for a show. It's like, you know, it's a little bit of the like Buffy monster of the week thing, mm-hmm. but there was no overarching story. It had to fit in perfectly alongside. It had the energy of a clip show, but without clips <laughs> from previously, you know, mm-hmm. it's weird. Actually, you know what? It kind of reminds me, remember when Rick and Morty did their multiverse clip show? Of course. It kind of reminds me of that where it's like, it is a clip show, but if stuff is not recycled, clips. <laughs> right. So, interestingly enough, in Eric Leewald, what's the name of the damn uh, book? Previously on X-Men. Previously on X-Men, making of the animated series, he mentions that this is definitely the odd episode out for the season, and he had no idea what the audience was thinking about at the time as they were seeing it, because <laughs> obviously there was no easy access to the internet, message boards, mm-hmm. all that stuff was still in its infancy. I don't even think TV studios knew that people were talking about shows you, um, you'd only get stuff when you people like physically wrote in right like however long the post office took and people took to respond and those were angry letters almost every time yeah, yeah N- okay. nobody ever wrote good things to studios <laughs> but he also acknowledges this is the episode that had no personal x-men story within it it kind of makes me wonder if it was a bottle episode or not because i don't know much about animation production because like when you actually look at like the script not much is happening story and dialogue wise and stuff right but also, I don't know if that means it was more complicated because they had to describe a bunch of fights. Or do you just script out like fight scene occurs and then whoever's planning out the storyboarding like deals with like exploding helicopters or whatever? Because like a lot of it, yeah, it was just like these two get dropped into like a dangerous situation and they blast their way out and then almost die. And then it cuts to back to Mojo World. Right. But. He did also acknowledge that Mojo ends up being, over time, acknowledged as one of people's favorite guest villains of the show. And the piece that that helped was the stakes seemed real just because of how powerful he was. And he was basically using the X-Men as toys. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a kid with their toys, if they don't care about the toy <laughs> anymore, you get throw it out throw out the mutant, you're killing the mutant, you know, yeah. kind of thing. And then the only other piece of trivia that stood out to me on IMDb, so I did not confirm any of this, but the name tag on the salesman is Calamari. And the executive producer of the show, his name is Joseph Calamari. Okay. So again, I didn't go, I don't, I don't yeah. do homework on this. I look up a few things and then I put blame if it's incorrect uh, <laughs> on that. But that's, that was like kind of the, the Easter egg, but yeah, that's that's all my notes, Rod. Awesome, awesome androids, scrolls, Jack Kirby, and and calamari. Yeah, it was just a fun little ride. Like it wasn't a bad episode at all. I am a little confused at how it got a higher rating than some of the other episodes we've seen that had story in it. But. I mean, I look at the ratings on Moon Knight, and I'm completely confused. So <laughs> wait, that it's good or bad? It's way higher than I would have given the episodes. I, I can see that. Actually, good. And, time I, and I, I say this as somebody who 
enjoyed parts of Moon Knight. Uh-huh. It's like a six and a half show to me. Like some of the episodes creaking at eight or higher, I, it doesn't fit for me. Moon Knight to me, and I mentioned this to you in a text, that I couldn't decide if the way it wrapped up was confusing and convoluted or clever. Judging on what other people are talking about it is a little convoluted and confusing. <laughs> my, my problem is I hear the arguments on, I hear, read the arguments online where people are talking about it. And their arguments of why they like it are absolutely the reasons I didn't like it. So, just, so I'm like, you and I are different wavelengths as human beings. Taste, yeah. Exactly. I think at the end of the day, I had fun with the show. And so I was like, okay, so I'm not going to read too much into it. And spe- speaking of like Mojo Vision stuff, fun episode, didn't amount to much. I kind of, without giving out too much personally, kind of feel the same way about Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness. Super fun ride. Didn't amount to a whole lot. A few things. Also, if... Uh, hot take here for me. I saw everything everywhere all at once before Multiverse of Madness. And up to this point, I have not watched that. And that made Doctor Strange kind of disappointing to me. Just because it's... Everything everywhere all at once is another multiverse story. Granted, it's, it's not a superhero story. But I just was continuously like, it's such a great movie. I've seen it several times now. It made me compare everything from how they did multiversal travel in Doctor Strange to that. And I think if it was the other order, I, I still wouldn't have like, you know, rated Doctor Strange as like a masterpiece top five Marvel movies of all time. But I think I would have had more fun and then seen everything ever all at once. <laughs> and that is relevant to this episode because I think we all have to agree the best method for multiversal travel is Spiral and her dance lasers. Yes. <laughs> So on that note, thank you guys for joining us. If you have any thoughts, please make sure to drop them into the comments for the official Instagram post of this episode or the YouTube upload. If you like what you heard, we would appreciate a rating on the podcast app of your choice. We would really appreciate five-star ratings, but we obviously will take four. And if you you feel like this deserves a one, maybe don't leave it. (laughs) You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, CastBox, and whatever other multiversal podcast services exist. I'm sure in some world I figured out how to get us on to Facebook, even though they killed the Facebook podcast feed. Someone tell me what a depraved omelet is. (laughs) 